Right then, how are you doing? Just to say, before we play the theme music and everything, make sure you listen to the whole episode, right? Don't tune out before the end. This edition contains not one, but two very exciting and exclusive bits of content. One of which is 100% exclusive, and the other is like semi-exclusive, I suppose. But involves a very famous and very talented man, and you don't want to miss it, right? Welcome to Ragbag's Bonus Bag. My name's Frank Burton, a.k.a. Lazarus Newman. Today, we're talking to the host of one of my favourite podcasts, Ethan Uslan of the Carolina Shout. Ethan is a ragtime pianist who plays a whole host of music and tells entertaining and enlightening stories about the tunes he plays. Here's an aptly named tune to start us off. It's the Ragbag Rag. Well, first of all, if you'd like to just tell me about your musical background, how did you get into playing the piano? Was it as a child or? I started taking piano lessons when I was nine years old, like a lot of kids, and I took classical lessons and I continued to study that even in college. And so I'm really uh, officially classically trained. Growing up, I dabbled in jazz and rock and and in different genres and at some point in college it dawned on me that I didn't really have a future in classical music and 
I always liked that ragtimey stuff. And then I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to figure this out. If I want to make it in music, I need to have a niche anyway. So um, I just kind of devoted myself to this kind of music around in college. And how long have you been doing it for now then? I started practicing it really hard around, I don't know, 03, 04. So, you know, 15 years, I guess, playing that, really focusing on that style. I mean, I dabbled in it growing up, uh, but around 04, I said, I'm going to be a ragtime piano player. And I, and I was like, I decided I was just going to be on this long-term mission. Mm. And it, it is a very specific thing, isn't it? What you're doing, the, the uh, playing ragtime piano. I mean, what, is there anything in particular that really kind of attracts you to this style of music? Uh, yeah, a couple things. One, I like that you can improvise a bit. And so classical music, it's scary because you have to hit the right notes at the right time with the right feel. And if you screw it up and you don't hit it just right, you know, you're doing it wrong. And this kind of music, ah, you flub a little bit here and there. It's no big deal. It's, it's all about the feel and the rhythm. So I find it less stressful. Also, I like, the, I like that it's very accessible. The tunes are catchy. The rhythms, you can tap your feet to it. And it's also challenging in a fun way. Uh, it's, it's very athletic, you know, for the fingers. And it's, and it's infinitely interesting because it's, it's difficult in some ways. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like I could play it for the rest of my life and I'll always find it interesting and challenging. Excellent. And, um, and now you're a podcaster, of course. So um, how did you get into that? How did you get into podcasting? Well, when I give concerts, I really enjoy the uh, in-between song banter. I like to say a few words about each song and make a little joke. And I really enjoy that, probably more than I should. And when I record, I don't get to do that usually. If you make a CD, you're not supposed to talk in between the tracks. And I listened to a lot of podcasts, and then it dawned on me that this is something I'd like to do because it's a format where I could play my music and give my little spiels and joke around and do the things that that i like to do in concerts great i mean you know the the, the talking parts on the podcast though are really really good and um i really enjoy the uh the stories that you tell about the background and the history of the music i like to picture you sitting at your piano surrounded by a, a heap of old books uh, <laughs> i have a few books but uh, mostly the internet you know you google these songs and uh the information's out there. I'd be nothing without the internet. I think that's true of all of us now. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> yes, and um, one of the um, highlights for a lot of your listeners, I'd imagine, would be the uh, episode where you had Jesse Eisenberg. I've had Benedict Cumberbatch on my show, but um, that, that's, that's entirely um, by the by. Um, so how did you come to um, have Jesse Eisenberg appear? Well, it was just a massive coincidence. Uh, my wife's girlfriend from from high school married him, so they came to visit us. So it's just it was just a wild coincidence. 
it's very convenient. But um, I didn't know anything about his music, uh, his musical background. Obviously, I've uh, I've seen him on um, on screen many times, but uh, I didn't know about his uh, his hidden musical talents. Yeah, he's a real music theater guy. I mean, that's where he he grew up in. You know, as a kid doing musicals, and uh, yeah, you don't. He doesn't do musicals anymore, at least in the movies. Yeah, I mean, one thing that uh, that has occurred to me when I was asking you about, um, you know, what attracts you to this particular kind of music, what it does for me, I mean, it's not primarily my major musical interest. I'm interested in a lot of different styles of music. And what I found from listening to, to the Carolina Shout is that I just find it kind of, I think possibly the combination of the music plus the stories that you tell, I just find it... Uh, very uplifting you know and there's not that many things and I'm going to sound pessimistic with this but there's not that many things in life that you discover that are really uplifting and can really sort of elevate your mood in that particular way well thank you I'm thrilled to hear that that you find it to be that way and uh, I mean I try hard to keep it amusing and interesting and I haven't discussed the news very much (laughs) or at all (laughs) And uh, although some, you know, aspects of uh, ragtime, you know, there's a lot of racism in that period that comes out in the songs. But for the most part, I have avoided that. I think I. Yes, but I, I've, you, you don't uh, also you don't shy away from that. I mean, I was listening to the, the, the banjo episode the other day and you told the story about the, um, you know, it's quite a heartbreaking story, really, of the banjo uh, all these white musicians kind of appropriating it and making lots of money off the back of an instrument that was being played by uh, by the slaves. That's right. I forgot about that. You're right. I did address it. And that was that was tricky because I didn't want to get depressing, you know. But, uh, you know, that that's how it was. Yeah, I mean, well, it's good that you don't shy away. And also, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a story that's uh, important. It's an important part of that era. Um, so it's good that you're addressing it, and I think um, at, at, on balance, I think the the show itself is still like an uplifting experience because you tell these pretty terrible stories sometimes, and then you kind of uh, play some music, which kind of uh, elevates the mood once again. So you kind of um, you're not leaving the listener in like a state of uh, you know disillusionment or anything like that. Right. When the credits roll at the end, I don't want people in a bad mood, you know, like they just listened to the news or something. <laughs> the feeling you get when you listen to the news. I don't want you to have that feeling. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's good. But I, I, think, I, I think you've definitely succeeded with that. But yeah, so finally, um, uh, this is an awful question to ask you uh, on the spot. But I do like the idea of introducing this kind of music to people who've never heard of it. And realistically, a lot of younger people may not know anything about it at all. So... Let's say we're going to sell it to them. Um, what tunes would you recommend first? What would be your go-to pieces of music to say, this is what Ragtime is all about, that you should hear this? Uh, what pieces, huh? Or, or, or musicians, perhaps, or, or in particular individual musicians that you might point people towards. That's a, that's a good... I'm so, it's hard, that's hard for me to answer because I'm so deep into it, you know? It's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of someone who never listens to it. But, you know, I would say that the, uh, the Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin, that, that could be a gateway rag. But I also, and, and Maple Leaf Rag is, is from 1899 and it 
represents the the earlier ragtime period and and on my podcast i also play like swing and jazz from the 20s so i would recommend people maybe google fats waller and listen to some of his piano playing or jelly roll morton jelly roll morton was the new orleans style guy and fats waller was the harlem style guy and and they were just killer piano players and um so I would recommend people check them out or check out my podcast. I don't know. Why not? Why not? Oh, both of those things. Well, and, and, and people can do that. I mean, all of this stuff is uh, a whole heap of this stuff is on YouTube and things like that. It's very easy to access. So, you know, it's something that people can if you if you throw these recommendations out there, people can there are places that people can find them. You know, you know and I'm, I'm still thinking about your question. And I would say also another way of answering the question is, it's, you know, it's not necessarily the piece, you know, because if you take one piece, let's say the maple leaf rag, it could be performed different ways by different performers. So there's actually a recording of Jelly Roll Morton playing it New Orleans style. And there's, I think there's a recording of uh, Willie the Lion Smith playing it Harlem style. So I think you don't want to, you know, search just for a song you want to search for different performers in different styles because they, they played the same repertoire, but they would put their own spin on it. So you have two possible answers to that question. So you ask a question. I keep, now I'm going to be thinking about it all day now. Oh yeah, I know. I, I, you know, I did say it is an awful question. No, it was a good question. It made me think I had to answer it twice. Right. So here's the first exclusive or at least semi-exclusive thing as mentioned already jesse eisenberg appeared on the carolina shout podcast and while he was there he performed the world premiere of a song he wrote this was part of a stage musical he put together around 12 years ago which for one reason and another never ended up being performed on stage unlike anything else i've ever played on ragbag this is not commercially available anywhere else the only other place you can hear this song is on episode 41 of the Carolina Shout, which I highly recommend listening to. It's an absolute delight. So here you go. Here's Jesse Eisenberg doing a duet with himself. It's a conversation between a man and a boy about sports. And Jesse plays both parts because, you know, he's versatile. Accompanied, of course, by Ethan Uslan on his piano, and uh, the song is called, for some reason, Sports Are Important to Men. Where can you buy a $10 hot dog to watch some grown-ups chase a ball in a pen? I'll never understand, but still it seems clear For some reason sports are important to men You know, you're right. Hmm. How can 15 seconds take a half hour In a time warp that would startle Big Ben? And why do grown men gather round in the shower? Cause for some reason sports are important to men 
An organized excuse to just get hit in the head. Another way to lose an unnecessary bet. I was jealous of myself when I was at the top. If the meek are to inherit, then we'll have to bulk up. Cause for some reason sports are important to men. Hey Frank, what do you call a football player who wants a refund? Um, I don't know. A quarterback. What makes civilized men paint their faces? And punch a stranger when they're down at the end. To watch a bunch of pituitary cases. For some reason sports are important to men. Hey Rubesy, what do you call a baby lamb that wants a refund? Um, I don't know. Me neither. I was always picked first. I was always picked last. But, but I always thought the picker should kiss my, for some reason sports, are important, yes sports, are important to watch them, to play them, to fry them or fillet them, for some reason sports, are important to Men, but not me. Thanks once again to Ethan Uslan of the Carolina Shout podcast and to Kate Uslan who produces it. Do yourself a favour and subscribe to Ethan's show. It's one of the world's greatest things. Links are in the show notes and thank you very much to Jesse Eisenberg for letting me play his song. It is a fantastic thing as well. Keep on listening. There's an extra little something for you after the theme song finishes. The show is not over yet. Do not go anywhere. I'm serious. Some serious bonus content for you coming up right now. After this. You're still with me, right? Good. Good to hear that. My new novel, 100, will be available very soon. Or if you're listening in the future, it's out now. It's a book made of paper, it's an ebook made of data, but of course, you're not interested in those formats, are you? You're audio people, which is why I'm releasing an audio book. And this, right here, right now, is the first chapter. Enjoy. One. There was a boy who lived alone in a hundred-story tower block in the dirty city. His name was Lester. 
Lester didn't know his neighbours, but he imagined them. Each day he'd compose no less than 100 stories. The stories had titles such as The Girl Who Vomited Cash and The Man Who Had Conversations With Concepts. His favourite story was about himself. It was called The Boy Who Sweated Music. It went, There was a boy who sweated music. His name was Lester. He lived alone in a tower block in the dirty city. The tower had 100 stories. He woke up one morning to the sound of an offbeat rhythm. The rhythm was an independent being. It had its own philosophy, its own ideas about what music was supposed to be. It was a master of arts and sciences. It had rewritten the periodic table with reams of newly discovered elements. It had devised its own beat formations. Beats throbbed through the boy's body. He pulled the duvet off. The beats pounded louder. They swarmed around the room through cracks in the ceiling and down the rusty ventilation shaft. From above and below came the noise from the neighbours. Some of them sang. Some of them shrieked. The bass kicked in. Lester whipped off his t-shirt. A further blast of sound escaped from his chest, closely resembling violins, but without an actual instrument attached. Below and above, the neighbours stomped, as though stomping were their only option. Lester floated several feet above the mattress. The strings soared into the first of several crescendos. He crawled across the ceiling to the window. Once out in the breeze, he observed the view below him. The city was heavenly and hideous. He broke into breaststroke as he swooped higher. The music Rag was muffled by the atmosphere, but the neighbours still heard and, and continued dancing, uniquely even when Lester disappeared into the clouds. Check out BritPodScene.com no or one ever saw him again. on Twitter to find out more. They spoke about that day for years. They told their kids, their nieces and their third cousins. Eventually, most of the people who were there began to doubt it had happened at all. But still, at the back of their heads, the beats and bass boomed on and 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 on. 